pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. San Antonio Sports Star Audio Vault is brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com. James Pledger, Jack Thompson, The Saturday Morning Hangover. Welcome into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, AM 1250, SASportsStar.com. However you may be listening, thanks for making us a part of your Saturday morning start. I am James Pudger. Jack Thompson is out today, but I got Katie Goodman right along shotgun with me. What's going on, Katie? Oh, not a whole lot. You know, it's a it's a big day for soccer today, and... I'm just ready for it. It's kind of like Christmas morning for me, you know, as a soccer aficionado. It's kind of a big deal, especially since they made it out of the round, you know, the, the end of the round. Yeah, of 16. into the round of 16. Yeah. yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I mean, it's massive. Words. It is a big day for the United States as they have advanced into the round of 16. Now they have a buzzsaw in front of them with the Netherlands. We'll get into it. But. I mean, it's not just soccer. It is just a huge sports weekend. We have championship weekend in college football. The UTSA Roadrunners are your back-to-back champs of Conference USA as they get ready to exit stage left into the AAC after their back-to-back titles. They put a hurting on North Texas last night in front of 41,000 fans. Yeah. At the dome, so yeah, I feel like they had a bigger crowd than the Spurs game probably had in that Alamo Dome. I oh, mean, they it absolutely was did. Packed out. I think everyone I knew in town who's a sports lover was there at that game. It is big, and yeah. Frank Harris just—he's so amazing. Yeah. Just once again, three hundred forty-one yards, yeah. four touchdowns, runs for forty-nine, adds another score on the ground. Six consecutive scoring drives. I mean, that's impressive. And it was a tight one early. So it was a whole lot of fun. It was very cool to watch UTSA just beat North Texas, who I do believe is their biggest rival into the ground. That's always a good feeling, and to do it on home turf, you know, and like like that crowd. It's just like it's one of those core memories that – these young players are never. Oh yeah, forget. I mean it's like uh, when you would play Old Miss, and if you would have like beat them five zero. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is fantastic. <laughs> I mean, I don't think just I've such ever a beat Ole Miss five zero personally, but dang, that would be nice. Wouldn't it have been? It would have been great. <laughs> oh man. Uh, we've got so much college football news today because of what's going on uh, last night. Our first little sprinkle of chaos onto the college football playoff as we see Utah just slap USC last night 
as they get a 47-24 win over what a lot of people thought was the Heisman frontrunner going into that game. And now the fourth-ranked team in the college football playoff has been knocked out. You got three more teams that are playing today, one, two, and three in the college football playoff. And you've got a couple of teams just sitting and lying in wait in Ohio State and Alabama who have no games. Right. Well, even Tennessee's nearby. I don't know if that's a close enough shot for them, but I've heard some things on Twitter about, why are we talking about Tennessee? And I'm like, mm. because you lost your quarterback yeah. and, and <laughs> you, uh, South Carolina slapped you. Like, you can't lose that ugly and lose your Heisman uh, candidate quarterback right. and expect to be mentioned in the conversation. Right, right. That's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, why is this a thing on Twitter? Twitter's strange, Twitter's man. Twitter's a like, stra- strange place. You can't it's... always go to Twitter for your news. <laughs> oh, no. Like, no, <laughs> I do not. kinds of crazy stuff. I use it for updates. Yeah. Not so much news. <laughs> yeah, I always fact check it. There's, I can't tell you how many breaking news stories, quote unquote, I've seen. And I'm like, wait, who is this person? And where did they get this information? They don't know. Oh, my gosh. They don't know where they got Someone it. Someone from a bar told me. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> Fantastic source, man. Oh, man. It was incredible. But the other big news out of San Antonio as it relates to college football is UIW, who is in the second round of the playoffs. They play at 1 o'clock this afternoon out at the Bird's Nest at Tom and Gail Benson Stadium as they take on Furman at 1 o'clock. But will their head coach be there? G.J. <laughs> Kinney has accepted a five-year deal to coach the Texas State Bobcats just up the street on 35, which we'll talk about later whether this is the move for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I've thought I've reports thought. have come out that he is going to finish the season at UIW, however long that goes, they are in the uh, FCS playoffs. In the second round, they have home field, so they are going to work their way through this. And when all is said and done, he and I guess select members or all of his staff will just move up I-35 to San Marcos. That's always a hard part of taking on a new role. Like, who can you take with you or not? It's God, it's got to be part of the negotiations, at least. I would imagine uh, part of the negotiations are the staff that you bring with you. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be very interesting to see how this possibly affects the team, knowing right. that he is done when the season comes to a close, and how that affects the transfer portal. Because as we saw last year with Eric Morris... He leaves, he takes stud all-world quarterback Cam Ward with him when he took the uh, Washington State job. Cam Ward went to the portal, took a lot of visits, ended up following Morris to Washington State, where Ward has done phenomenal and has really raised his draft stock by all intents and purposes. So, Lindsey, some of these receivers, some right. of these running backs, mm-hmm. could we see them in the transfer portal? There's no way they wouldn't be. I mean, they've made such a huge name for themselves in this season alone. The Their stats are astronomical, pure outliers, which means they don't belong here. You know, they, they don't yeah. belong in that, um, you know, conference. They need to go somewhere else. And I don't, I think, you know, after Coach Kenny shows them a season like that, they're going to follow that guy anywhere. 
because he made them look real good. Yeah. You know, and it, it's it's not just well, he made Morris them look good too. or they like made him look good. It's really like a perfect duo. Like it's it's crazy how much has to come together for these players to really tap into their full potential like they did this season. And I think that speaks volumes to both the players and Coach Kinney. And, you know, I always think about how he got those players in the first place mm -hmm. and how UIW was supposed to go into the whack. And I feel like once they had to pull out of it at the last minute, that had to have had something to do with that entire process, getting these killer recruits coming in, thinking they're probably going to go into a better conference and then, well, you know. let's also not forget ABCs. A bigger check. Ah, that always yeah, helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, for him, for him. Well, but, even I mean, for the players. players. Well, I guess, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're going out of check. FCS into a bigger university with bigger funds, bigger budget, right. and probably bigger NIL oh. deals. Oh yeah, no, I mean go from going from UIW to Texas State, no brainer. Absolutely like totally the move for any of those players. But I'm talking about when he brought those players to UIW. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I feel like it had to have helped him to get those players thinking they were going to go into the whack instead of the Southland. Oh probably. Probably. Yeah. But I mean, even that, it's it's not a lateral move. It is a step up. For sure. But it's a small step. Yeah. And that's kind of my question with the Texas State move. It's my alma mater. I love it. <laughs> Texas State, Bobcats, eat them up. I'm, I'm in. I love the fact that G.J. Kinney is my head coach. Yeah. He's been in seven years at seven different jobs. Yeah. I don't know how long we're going to have him. I am very excited to have him. You know, I just sideline reported a game for Texas State football, their mm -hmm. very last game. So I actually got to meet their head coach. That, oh, Jake Spavano? Yeah, that good was dude. just like, Former... oh, he is a great guy. He seems so nice. He, he was so good at answering my questions and, you know, just being patient. You could, mm -hmm. I think you could tell that he knew, you know, all right, I'm going to do this thing and get in and out kind of thing. But, um, you know. I just find it interesting that, you know, the one time I make that touch point, now Kenny's going, not yeah. to say that I had anything to do with oh, it, but I, think you did. I feel like I'll probably be around the Texas State I'm going to put it on well. Twitter right now. Katie Goodman, after the Texas State Bobcats final game, got Jake Spavadol fired and helped to, <laughs> with the hiring of G.J. Kenny because she had been sideline reporting with them all year. So let's not circulate those rumors. No, I'd no, like a job. I would true. like a job. It's on Twitter. It's That's true. true. If it's on Twitter, then it's clearly 100% fact. It's news, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, James just trying to get me fired at what, 8 in the morning? I mean, deal. it's early. Nobody's listening. We're fine. <laughs> I hope someone's listening. <laughs> eh, maybe. We'll figure it out as we go. <laughs> uh, also, big weekend. Cowboys playing on Sunday Night Football, which is funny because it shows you the the brand that is the Dallas Cowboys a week after they play the Giants on Thanksgiving and set a record in viewers with 42 million, according to Nielsen. We see last Sunday or next Sunday's game between the Chiefs and Broncos, which once Russell Wilson ended up in Denver, primetime, 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 primetime. Now that we find out who Russell Wilson is, everybody is scrambling to get them off of TV. <laughs> and it's amazing because the Kansas City Chiefs are one of the most watched teams in all of football with the most amount of primetime games. So the fact that you are taking Patrick Mahomes 
out of prime time. Oof. That shocked me, but less, more shocking, but less shocking is the fact that they kept the Cowboys Colts despite the Colts being a really bad team. But it's the Dallas Cowboys, so... (laughs) They have a way of just, like, wiggling themselves into some stuff. And I know they've had a good run recently. They're they're looking a lot better this year. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe they just... Think they're on a they're on a run and they're on a this mission. is going to be a win and, and they just want to put a feel good game on prime time. I don't know. Of course, we'll get into it. But uh, do we call this a homecoming game for Deshaun Watson? Oh, God. <laughs> God. He returns from nausea kicks in eleven game suspension, and fantastically enough, he takes on his former team, the Cowboy or the Texans. It's almost like it was scripted this way. Right. I was just going to say, like, this could 100% be an episode of a reality TV show or not even reality, just like a made-up football TV show. The problem is, if you don't live in Houston, Cleveland, or for whatever reason, Lubbock, you don't get it. And San Antonio's always been a Texans market, which surprises me Mm. that the NFL is burying this game (laughs) because it felt like they really wanted this game. This is when they had him des- you, designated to return. Yeah, you they you'd think they'd want to capitalize on those ratings, you know, like. Oh, they will. People will find it, whether it's at a bar, NFL Network, Sunday Ticket, whatever it may be. Yeah. They're they're going to find a way to get people to watch this game. I have no doubt about. It. I've no already, doubt. like, I guess I'm going to the Rupub on Sunday to watch this game. Right. I mean, eleven game violation only. 24 lawsuits, only one settled. Like, my goodness. Oh, did no, you know? No, 23 were so. One's oh, unsettled. Oh, okay. Excuse me. My bad. <laughs> Other Dyslexia <way> at <laughs> 8 a.m. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, but that, and then not only that, 10 of his accusers will be sitting in the luxury box at NRG Stadium. Thank during you, the game. Tony Busby. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, that feels, I'm like, that has to be, like, really rough for them, you know, yeah. to, like, show up and, like, Psychologically, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is that the move? Is that the move? Is he? Is it really going to make a presence just because he knows you're in the box versus maybe being front and center somewhere well, else? It's also just making a statement. It's making it, but is it? I feel like a bigger statement could have been made somehow. I'm sure that there absolutely could the be, but remember there's NDAs involved in this. Yeah. So there's not a lot that you can say, so your presence says more. Ah, uh, so just pull the mafia card and... Exactly. Linger, hover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the only thing they really can do after settling. So it's going to be very interesting. I can't wait to see this game unfold. Remember, the Odell Beckham Jr. sweepstakes is in full swing. Thursday, he visited the Giants. Friday, he visited the Bills. And Monday, after the Sunday night game, he will visit the Dallas Cowboys. Will he make a decision shortly after that? Will he end up leaving Dallas at all? I'm getting the vibes that he's saving the best for last. Right? I'm getting those vibes based it on... It feels so much basis. more and more mm-hmm. like he's just destined to eventually sign with the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. And I'm not sure why. We'll get into it a little bit later in the show. <laughs> but... And finally, last night, some huge news uh, broke as Jacob deGrom ends up going... From the New York Mets to the Texas Rangers, 
five years, $185 million. The Rangers continue to go into their pocketbook. They ha- they needed starting pitching last year. They got infield help. They got Corey Seager in free agency for $325 million. They ended up ponying up money on Marcus Simeon. They got a starting pitcher in John Gray. This year, they end up adding another starting pitcher, which is a point of need to a team that did have an all-star in Martin Perez. And Jacob deGrom's numbers are absolutely insane. I'll break them down a little bit later in the show, probably here at about 845. But Jacob deGrom going to Texas is kind of a big deal because they are definitely trying to catch at least the Seattle Mariners, probably the Houston Astros in that division. And it's it's interesting because now the Mets are going to turn their focus to Justin Verlander. Mm. Can Houston keep him with mm. reported interest now from two markets in the Dodgers and Mets along with themselves? It's going to be extremely interesting. But we'll go to break on this as we were talking about the U.S. national team. The big question of the day was, will Christian Pulisic play? Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a a pelvic contusion, you know. Um, It's it's not a euphemism, Henry. It's what it sounds like. No, but at the same time, it's not. Like, I didn't get, like, hit in the balls, but, like, it's not like, I'm all right. I'm all right. It was very painful, and it, it just... You know that bone is there for a reason to protect you. I think, and I I, I hit it well, and uh, it was sore. But uh, like I said, I'm getting better. And he is better because he will be playing today here at about 45 minutes when the U.S. take on the Netherlands. I think that is a massive storyline. We'll get into that more as we continue here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star. She is Katie Goodman. I'm James Pledger. You're locked into 94.1 FM. San Antonio Sports Star on the go. Get the latest news, podcast, and more at sasportstar.com. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, AM 1250, sasportstar.com. I'm James Pledger. I'm joined by Katie Goodman this morning as we get you ready for a fantastic sports weekend. Wrap up the week and look forward to the rest of the weekend. One of the things we're looking forward to comes at 9 o'clock this morning as the U.S. Men's National Team has advanced into the round of 16, the knockout stage as they call it, and... This is where things get interesting. No more group play. No more losses. You have to win. And it can't end in a tie. So it will go to extra time, and it will go to penalty kicks if needed. So That's the good stuff, man. I, I take that over this weird, you know, initial playing rounds that we had where there's all these huge upsets and... Huge, no, just like four-time champ Germany, not there. The f- Mexico, not there. Belgium out. I mean, Japan it winning. Argentina losing to Saudi Arabia. Like there's insanity so right now. And this is the first time since 1998. Math might be off, but since that World Cup, that um, nobody has swept their group in the mm-hmm. group stages. Like Brazil was close, but then they lost. Mm-hmm. South Korea so it's 
a very interesting tournament in terms of the fact that I don't know what to expect from this U.S. team. They play a completely different style of uh, soccer than I am used to, and yes, I'm calling it soccer. <laughs> Deal with Yay. it, English. <laughs> soccer, not football. Take it. Thank you, Ted Lasso. <laughs> but I look at it, and I'm used to whether it was Jurgen Klinsmann or uh, fell on my head. Uh, Arius, the former U.S. men's national team coach. Oh, oh yes. Mm -hmm. The style has always been pack the box, defend, 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 use your speed on the outside, try and hit them over the top with a long play in. That's just been the U.S.'s boring, unwatchable style of soccer for what feels like my entire life. Right, and that's because back then they just didn't have enough players playing in European leagues. Now every single player that's starting on the field, with the exception of Zimmerman from Nashville SC, they're all from European leagues. Mm -hmm. He's the only guy from MLS. So they're bringing this influence over, and I think Bear Halter recognizes that, and he sees what these guys do you know, on their teams abroad and tries to find where their strengths lie. And Of course, Pulisic is one of those players who – they know they just pretty much have to to work around him if he can get into the right pockets, if he can make the right runs, find the right spaces. He did that a couple of times in the last game. And um, there's just been, you know, they've done so well. If you look at how they played against England sure. and even Wales, like they should have won that game sure. versus Wales. It was ridiculous. A, and, a late penalty, gave them a kick, and they converted. And right. otherwise, you get that win. You're not as threatened going into the final match as you were against Iran. But I look at this, and they just play a more beautiful brand of soccer. Think of the Spurs' beautiful game in 2014, 2015, 2013, when the ball just moved. It moved freely and moved around. The U.S. plays one touch. They play combinations. They look a lot prettier playing than they ever have before and i enjoy it and it's a more enjoyable brand of soccer but they are running into a bus all in their opening match of the knockout round where they do have to take on the netherlands right and so the question is with like, a less than 100 percent christian pulisic right which i think honestly that might have been a i mean i a contusion is a bruise Right, maybe it's a bone mm -hmm. bruise, which hurts pretty bad. I've had one of those. Mm -hmm. It feels a lot like a fracture, but nope, they would have said bone bruise. I think they're being a little, you know, shady with what the actual injury is. Maybe to play a dark horse move or something uh, with him. But we're going to find out pretty quick to what, very, what level he's at. Very dangerous game. Uh, if he couldn't finish the Iran game of trying to play coy to hold off that Iranian team, like. Right. It's just a very dangerous game, and I don't think they were. I think he's legitimately hurt. I think he's been dealing with it. I think he's better. I think male soccer players have the tendency to react really intensely to things, and I he came back in. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it, man. Sure. <laughs> like, and, he, and he came back in to that first half, finished it out. He apparently started urinating blood, mm -hmm. so they thought it was internal bleeding, and that's why they took him out of the second half. So I think they took him out because they thought he had internal bleeding, when in reality, it was just a contusion sure. and who knows what that could have been from. Right. But um, so that's why I think like they're like, oh, it's a pelvic contusion, whatever. And um, 
right on them for doing so. And obviously pulling him out of the game, his health is more important than anything. But when it comes to this next game, I, I mean, he's not, nobody on that field is 100% on either team. No. Because they've just been through the ringer, you know? But and, you're also talking about your hip in a sport that requires a lot of movement. It does. It <laughs> does. But I don't think they would put him out there if he couldn't put the power behind no, the ball and make he's, the movements I he think needs. he's okay. I think he's yeah. probably 85%, 90%. I don't think he's 100%. But even his 85% is still better than some other Probably, 100%. But, but we need his 100 what for the Netherlands. Yeah. does that actually hurt when you're taking on a team as powerful as the Netherlands? Right. <laughs> well, I mean, either way, I will say this. For the U.S., they have been fantastic mm-hmm. from the back line all the way up. Building up the back. Sure. Being great on transitions. Where they haven't been great is in the attacking third and finishing those shots. Who's in the attacking third? Christian Pulisic. Yes, he threw his body into that one and got it in, but was it a pretty shot? No. How many shots did they have? And he's not the only one. You know, Tyler Adams had a couple shots. Weston McKinney, there were so many opportunities missed. And so that Iran game could have easily been a 3-1 game, or it could have, you know, even Wales could have have been put put to bed. Yeah, early. So you know what I mean? So it's going to be one of those things where, in my opinion, keep doing what you're doing. Run a 4-3-3. Netherlands like to go down the middle. They're playing for blood. Everyone's playing for blood. And well, you, bait him, you bait him by blood. sitting he back proved it a bit. in the last game. You bait, huh? Christian Pulisic has blood. He, he proved it in yeah. the last game. <laughs> There's blood in his pants and in the game. <laughs> so that's how you know it's legit, people. You got to tune in and watch it. It's it, going to be good. If they can finish their opportunities, and if they can't, they're going to have to defend for their lives. Starts in 32 minutes. We'll keep you updated right here on San Antonio Sports Star. But. Conference uh, championship games are going on in college football. FCS, we have a game right here in our town as well. Last night, we crowned a champion. We'll talk about it when we come back right here. And what could it mean for bowls like the Cotton Bowl or just the college football playoff when we talk about this championship weekend and the effects that it could have? It's all coming up here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star 94.1 FM. The home plate for Texas Rangers. And the Rangers walked it off at home. San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN, 94.1 FM and AM 1250. Welcome back into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, SASportsStar.com. I am James Pledger. I'm joined by Katie Goodman. Jack Thompson is out this morning, but we're going to take you all the way to 10 o'clock, which will be the start of of the Big 12 championship game as TCU undefeated and third ranked in the college football playoff rankings currently in the college football playoff. (coughs) They take on uh, 11th ranked Kansas State later this afternoon at 11 o'clock kick. 10 is your pregame. It'll start right here on San Antonio Sports Star immediately following us. But last night we crowned a champion of Conference USA as the UTSA Roadrunners Waltz in, punched North Texas in the mouth, and walked out with a 48-27 win in the Alamo Dome in front of 41,000 screaming birds up fans. It just means so much for San Antonio in general, you know, to have such a successful football team. Not only UTSA, but of course UIW, but I feel like Mm -hmm. UTSA means something a little different to the city of San Antonio. You don't see these UIW games packed out like these UTSA games. Of course, they have a nice big stadium to fill up, but 
I mean, the marketing around the town, just mm -hmm. the buy-in from fans. You know, I, I think there's a lot of people who, you know, went to UTSA, a lot of alumni here that have stayed here. And it's just, it just feels like so different than when I grew up here, mm -hmm. when UTSA was around. Well, they didn't have football when I grew up here. Yeah, same. <laughs> so that was same. a little bit different, but it was great to see the city rally around them. Jeff Trailer has done a phenomenal job building up this program. Kudos to him and what he has built at UTSA because we've always thought that we had the infrastructure. We always thought that we had the athletes. It was a matter of getting those athletes to stay. One of those athletes that stayed was Frank Harris, who went to Clemens. Okay. I was like, I, I know it's not, it's in shirts, but it's not Cibolo. It's Clemens. He was a Clemens Buffalo. Uh, and Frank Harris in last night's title game throws for 341 yards, four touchdown, runs for almost 50 and another score. Then Kavorian Barnes, because we, there were these massive, massive questions after Sincere McCormick left last year and went to the NFL. How you replace that production? Sincere McCormick was your all-world everything. Well, Kavorian Barnes comes in and has done a pretty good job this season, including last night's title game, where he had 28 carries for 175 yards and a score. Yeah, both career highs for him. And he actually got in because he, the first string was injured. Mm -hmm. And so this was, I guess, his first start. And to go in and just show up like that and just... Just run game like, man, that's exactly who you want on your bench. And that just tells you so much about the depth of this Roadrunner team. too. Well, the depth has been proven all year long. This is a team that has dealt with injuries for the entirety of the season. And most teams would probably fracture, fall apart and just start losing. But they got through the early part of the season. They lost a lot of guys. I think they've gone through nine offensive linemen this season and they're like the the backups are all playing at some point and most of the backups backups are playing right. on that offensive line and they have still managed to not only continue to protect frank harris but continue to carve out a run game and that in and of itself is just super impressive I give major kudos to coach on that one because to have backup players who may not have seen a ton of minutes throughout the entire season to continue to stay bought in and then to show up big when you need them. I mean, I know it's a glory moment because you're in a playoff setting and it's mm -hmm. your chance to make a name for yourself and do something big. But I mean, I, I think it's keeping that buy-in day in and day out until you get to that point. That is so hard and takes such a mental toll on an athlete. I've been in that position where I wasn't starting mm -hmm. as a you know former soccer player and trying to get back into it is it is a mental torture because you're just trying to figure out what do I need to do better. You're you're getting there early and trying to get reps in and doing anything you can and and sometimes the coach just has his mind made up and it's not until someone gets hurt or messes up really bad that you get your chance and you have to make that one chance happen. You know, so, but that's hard to do so late yeah. in season. Or maybe if you hadn't played a whole season prior to that, too. You know, there's so much that goes into the psychology of these athletes. <laughs> and so I, I, I like to give really huge.
kudos to Kavorian Barnes because it's a lot harder than it sounds mentally. It is definitely a a tough situation to walk into, but they have pulled it out at all levels of this team all year long. Now, when it comes to college football, for whatever reason, I don't know what this says about me as a person, but I love chaos. I well, then that's why you love college football. Chaos. <laughs> and last night, watching USC's Heisman hopeful Caleb Williams, Lincoln Riley, just get eviscerated by Utah in the Pac-12 championship game, knocking them out of the college football playoff picture. Just they're they're done. I I can't consider them anymore. I just love that it's the ultimate upset it's the ultimate underdog runaway moment because they started down 17 to 3 Mm -hmm. to start was not looking good at all how do you just come back from that as already being the uh, like the underdog in the situation yeah you know i it's just i don't know and then now like you said usc's out usc's done makes room for makes Ohio. room for Ohio State, or or I could make the argument for TCU a two-loss Alabama team. Oh. TCU's in if they they control their own destiny, they win, right. they're in. Period. They're in. End of story. But after what I saw, because I didn't believe in Ohio State for most of the year, and then once I saw them get slapped by Michigan in their rivalry game at the end of the year. I fell out of a lot of love with Ohio State. And I look at Alabama. They have a one-point loss to LSU and a three-point loss on a last-second field goal to Tennessee. They have lost two games by a combined four points, and both of those games... Alabama had the lead and lost it and lost it in the final seconds and they were walk-off scores. Saban's losing his uh, spark there, but yeah, Kirby smart probably took a little bit defensively and they don't have it and they're not as disciplined as they used to be. But I still think an Alabama team with two near losses is more deserving of being in a top four, especially with their track record. Like, it'll take, for me, a long time for Alabama to not be in a top four. I can't look at this team and the losses that they sustain and the manner of which they sustain them and not look at the rest of either who's in the playoff or who will be in the playoff and go, I like that team better. Because I feel like if Alabama slides into the four to take on Georgia, they're one of the few, or Michigan, or whoever they would end up playing if they make it into the Final Four. That matchup is immediately a better matchup, I think, and I think they have a better chance to win that game than any other team that you would put in that position. I agree with that. <laughs> I agree with that. And I get Alabama fatigue. We're tired. We want something new. We got it last year. You know what we saw? We saw Michigan get slapped by Georgia, and we <laughs> saw Cincinnati get slapped by Alabama. Freaking Georgia and Alabama. I really hate that Georgia is the Bulldogs. I just, I never hear the end of it from my football <laughs> friend. Like, I have this one guy, every, every time I post anything about Mississippi State, he's like, oh, you know, we're the real Bulldogs. We're the Bulldogs that actually win at football. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, 
You're right, though. So I can't even, I have zero comebacks other than Mississippi State had the Bulldogs first. That was our mascot mm-hmm. first. Anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> you sound a little salty. I'm always, always. <laughs> Between Georgia, Alabama, and LSU, can't with them. I cannot. You just, I, I, I hear just a hint of maybe pettiness. Hater, haterade? Uh, just maybe a, a touch. A, had a couple sips of haterade this morning. <laughs> but uh, like I said, after watching Ohio State this year, and I know they only have the one loss, but it's not a good loss, even though it was to the – they were two and three at the time in the rankings. So I understand people trying to get Ohio State back in there. But what happens if TCU loses this afternoon to Kansas State? That's – I feel like that – If they lose, are they still in? Well, I mean, they lost to, to Kansas State. No, they beat Kansas State earlier this year. Earlier? I thought they lost to them. No, they, they are 28 to 10, undefeated. but they did well in the second half. They are undefeated. Oh, shoot. Well, just <laughs> kick me off the radio show right yeah, now. No, but, but I read an article where they were saying, like, of course, TCU is favored to win based on what they've shown us throughout this whole season. They just keep winning. But they keep winning. in that initial game with Kansas City. It was so close. It was like a, a three-point yeah. differential. It, it was uh, or, it was a close game late, and what happened was TCU tacked on a late score. They end up winning 38-28. So okay. it, it was close, and as they were running out the clock, they kind of broke one, and just the game ended. They, they put it out of reach. But they did play them extremely well earlier in the year, and Kansas State – is a thorn in a lot of people's side because of the style of offense that they run. They have a quarterback that also runs the football. My question, though, is if TCU wins this game and convincingly, is Max Duggan now solidified as a Heisman finalist? Hmm. After you see Caleb Williams go down yesterday and and lose to Utah, Hendon Hooker, had a bad performance against South Carolina and then tore his ACL and doesn't get to finish the season. There aren't a lot of beautiful Heisman candidates. C.J. Stroud is one. Bryce Young is one. Caleb Williams is one. But usually it goes to the best player on the best team. And that's not Stetson Bennett because he doesn't have the numbers to back it up at Georgia. But Max Duggan does. Max Duggan, if you look at his numbers, is extremely, extremely talented, but also he's just he's putting up numbers that make you go, okay, I can see it now. I can see the possibility. To where he's completed 66% of his passes. He wasn't supposed to be the starter this year, by the way. He's thrown for over 3,000 yards. I mean, he's rushed for over 1,000 yards. I mean, he is playing at such a high level. And he is the reason that TCU is undefeated. And that is normally where the Heisman number goes. Is to the best numbers on the best team. I like the sound of that because I also I'm a TCU fan. I love everything that they're doing with their social media, like the what do you the uh, 
hypnotoads. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love it. It's so weird. It's an and awesome future on crazy. We'll and yeah, and I just I love it. I'm I'm totally here for it, right? But what's crazy about the Heisman is that there's so much that has to happen for someone to win that Heisman. Yes. So much of it is dependent on their team and mm-hmm. not getting injuries and being in playoffs. You know, like there's just so much that you think about all of these players that are so deserving of something like that, you know, and just never make it to where they get that recognition. But again, that's that's the nature of the beast. And that's what makes it such a unique award, right? Like you were the best on the best team, mm-hmm. right? So um, I think if I wanted to go to anybody, I would like it to go to TCU, to anyone on any oh, team. Oh, yeah. I you mean, know? it'd like, just I, be great to end up seeing a Texas guy win. Like, regardless of the school, right. because Bijan was in consideration, but I don't think Texas is good enough. And I, I also, as great as the season as he's had, don't think that he's had a Heisman-worthy season for a running back. And usually, it just goes to the best quarterback. So, it has become that kind of war. It's like the MVP in the NFL. Yeah, The MVP usually just goes to the best quarterback on the best team. Right. That's kind of what the Heisman's turned into for the most part. So it's going to be interesting. I think this and a great game on a platform like today would help to put him into the conversation and at least get him the trip to New York. She is Katie Goodman. You can follow her on Twitter at I'm Katie Goodman. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Pledger. (laughs) And of course, you can follow the station at as a sports star tweet as will respond throughout the show as the U.S. gets set to kick off here in about 15 minutes. We'll keep you apprised of that. But the Dallas Cowboys, they get set for a key game against the Indianapolis Colts. And probably even bigger than that, they have a very important meeting on Monday. We'll let you know what's going on when we come back right here on the Saturday morning hangover on San Antonio Sports Star 94.1 FM and SASportsStar.com. This is Joe Reinagle. Drive home with Jason Minix and I each weekday afternoon, 4 to 7, on San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN AM 1250 and 94.1 FM. Welcome back into the Saturday morning hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, SASportsStar.com. I'm James Pledger, joined by Katie Goodman this morning. Jack Thompson is out, but we're still here to carry along. Recapping some of our college football playoff segment, we're getting uh, some tweets as uh, Rudy Campos Jr. said, even if TCU loses, they should still be in the top four, which I agree with. But it feels like the committee's been looking for a reason to kick them out every week. I've read a lot about this and I watched a lot about this and mm-hmm. a lot of people were against them, but the commentators were even saying that this morning, how they think even if they lost that they do deserve to make it in just because they've proven themselves. And USC's like, loss single, definitely helps that. Yeah. And in every single game that's gone by, they've just gotten better and they've just kept going. And, and I think that's kind of where people are buying into it for them. Of course, as we were talking about the impressive win for UTSA earlier, Frank Valdez says, Mr. Frank Harris, a.k.a. Mr. 210, the people's champ. 
He is Frank the Harris people's is champ. a boss, man. He is a boss, and yes. he is the people's champ here in the 210. So she is Katie cool. Goodman. I'm James Pledger. You're listening to the Saturday Morning Hangover. What's up, Katie? I was going to say, just on Frank Harris, four touchdowns, ran 49 mm. yards, just six consecutive scoring drives. like Threw for 350 major, and major four. Boss moves, man. He is a monster. Finished 32 of 27 passing. That's great. Now, there's not a lot to really break down about this Cowboys game, mainly just because I feel like they're just going to walk in and wash them. Like, I don't. The Cowboys are playing so extremely well. The Colts are just kind of a wreck right now. But at the same time, Jonathan Taylor kind of holds the keys to everything. If the Cowboys shut him down, the defense has done its job, and I don't believe that they can muster enough with an old, decrepit Matt Ryan <laughs> on right. offense to keep up with the Dallas Cowboys. But if, because the run defense has been the lone point of concern for this team throughout the season, we saw it rear its head against the Packers, but the following weeks, they course corrected, they shut down Saquon Barkley and the New York Giants, They've done a fantastic job over the last three weeks with, and they've faced great running backs because Dalvin Cook, one of the top backs in the league, they managed to shut him down that following week after the Aaron Jones game in which they gave up over 200 yards to the Packers. Then they shut down Saquon Barkley. Now they're facing the third of that kind of triumvirate and Jonathan Taylor, who was it's by consensus the best back in all of the NFL last year. Right. I think a lot of it too is just going to come down to how the quarterbacks are testing the cornerbacks on either side. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like is the quality that they're getting to their running backs worth anything? Cause I mean, when you have, you know, great running backs on both sides, I think it's just going to come down to like having the most creative tests coming from your quarterback. Yeah, and Dak Prescott obviously is the better quarterback in this matchup as well. Right, so right. they've got the upper hand there. I think they have better skill possession we uh, weapons on the outside with C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup, uh, even though uh, Gallup has been dealing with the flu bug. That thing's going around, man. It is going, and it is going around the Cowboys. Apparently half of Brazil's team came down with the flu. So maybe that was part of the reason or the excuse they're using for the World Cup why they lost that game. I won't get into it. I won't. I know I digress. I'll shut up right now. Back to back it's, to American it's, football. It's everything though. It's it's <laughs> everywhere. It's the it's World Cup. COVID. It is football. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but only it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least they say it's not. COVID, right? But oh, the man. only reason I think the Cowboys would lose this game is. They shot themselves in the foot, which they do have a tendency to do. Like yep. last week with the Giants, and that game was closer than it should have been because you had 13 penalties, you had multiple pre-snap penalties, which is shooting yourself in the foot before you can even start. Yeah. Um, and that seems to be an issue, and Jerry Jones spoke of it yesterday on 105.3 The Fan. Well, I don't know that it's the biggest uh, but I don't can't think of anything that's any bigger. What? That it needs to work on. <laughs> okay. That's the most country so thing I've ever heard in my life. It's wow. not the Are biggest problem bigger. that the Cowboys face. 
but he can't think of one that's bigger. <laughs> I just so, somebody needs to write out their responses before they speak them no, into the interwebs. This is why I love Jerry Jones. Like, give me all of it, Jerry. I'm about it. <laughs> I, he probably means like it's not the biggest deal in the world, but right now it's their bigger problem. He probably meant to inverse the words, you know, like he probably. But I, this is why I love Jerry Jones. He's <laughs> gonna say whatever comes to his mind, and when we get back. We'll get into what the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys said on R&R in the morning yesterday about their penalty issues. Is it focus or is it discipline? We'll discuss here on the Saturday Morning Hangover. James Pledger, Jack Thompson, the Saturday Morning Hangover. Welcome back into hour number two of the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM. Sasportstar.com. I am James Pledger. I am joined by Katie Goodman this morning as we get you set for a fantastic sporting day that starts with the U.S. men's national team as kick is now underway with the Netherlands controlling possession early. Now, we were talking about the Cowboys going to break and how really the only way I see them losing is if they're undisciplined on defense and Jonathan Taylor just goes nuts which could happen because they've, while they've had good games against good backs, they've had bad games against strong rushing attacks. So yeah. it's kind of which Cowboys defensive performance are we going to see show up? Right. But, it's kind of like just doing the basics while making sure they keep them in front of, of them. Exactly. Know? Like just the basics in this case. But I think that I think we've seen this time and time again with the Cowboys. They start to get comfortable. And then that's when they kind of let things by and mm-hmm. let loose ends go. And, you know, I want to I want to hope for the opposite of that. <laughs> I really do. But the track record hasn't been fantastic in the past. Better this season. But, <laughs> but yeah. like I said, I, I while I could see that being an issue, the main issue, the only reason I could see the Cowboys losing would be them beating themselves. And a lot of that has to do with penalties. And Jerry spoke of the penalties, saying it's can't think of a bigger issue that the Cowboys have to get cleaned up. Yesterday on R&R in the morning, Rob and Rudy had the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys on, as they do every single Friday morning. And they asked him specifically because he had mentioned uh, – about penalties, you know, focus and being undisciplined. And he was wondering because Dak had said something about their focus Hmm. during the week, their focus, their focus and really getting focused in on cleaning those penalties up. And they asked him if there was a fine line between a focus or lack of focus and discipline. Well, I, I think it's an, another example of, of, of what, what, you know, they, they both look the same in certain spots, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I think the biggest thing for us, and, and that, that, that's what, that, you know, makes this, this team such a joy to coach, this locker room, is that they see the growth. You know, they, they see the opportunity in front of us. Uh, this is a very football-only focused team, which is a huge challenge, you know, uh, focusing that way, you know, here in Dallas, I mean, this this is you know this this is a, a big time arena to uh, from a professional sports standpoint. But you know, I, I think these guys have it 
have the understanding and um, you know see the growth and and that's just going to become in the discipline of you know of, of self evaluation. So uh, and, and, hey, this game's never been played perfectly, but mm-hmm. it's it's playing your best, and and that's what we strive for every week. Now there was a lot to unpack in that forty seconds. But one of my favorite things that he says there, because I agree I with him, which is <laughs> is not often that I agree with Coach McCarthy because a lot of coaches are trying to spend things one way or the other. But he said, this is a very football-only focused team. And I don't normally, because people have other interests, they right. have lives, they have families they massage therapists massage they they have uh you know call of duty whatever they Mm -hmm. they have their ways of decompressing away from the game of football and kind of unplugging from it for the most part Mm -hmm. and that's what mccarthy sounds like he's trying to do is to keep these guys fresh like take some time not thinking about football for like 10 minutes yeah 13 minutes 20 minutes in a day and take a day and go play golf. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what his, because there wasn't a follow-up. And I don't normally agree with him, but I look at this team, because in the past I would have said, no way, Zeke's on this team. Yeah. Zeke loves to go out to the clubs. He likes it. He, that was old Zeke, though. Yeah. New Zeke does feel very football-focused. Dak is very football-focused. Right. Micah Parsons is very driven and football focused. Trayvon Diggs, like you don't see or hear about these guys being out a whole lot right now. And you don't hear about other interests that they have right now. Like they feel like they're 100% locked in on the game of football right now. That really brings up an interesting point just in sports in general, because like you see this even with the Spurs and how pop, you know, tries to kind of Mm -hmm. keep a, a tight leash on, his players, right? And so the thing is, like, there are certain players who thrive by getting to go out and do the fun things and play. But I also firmly believe, and maybe this is just from my own personal experience, right, Mm -hmm. and what helps me, is that, like, anytime you are just focused purely on your sport and eating well and eating clean and not going out and partying and being around all these, like, bad negative energies and, like, you're not going to find anything good in the club, like, straight up, you know? Like, (laughs) yeah, it's a good time, but... For a reason, you know, and there's just a lot yeah. happening there. And, and I really do agree with coaches, like, in wanting them to focus and clean up their lifestyle because you, who you are on the field a lot of times translates to who you are off the field and vice versa. You know, that's why you see a lot of those players who are really humble and work hard and keep their head down and mm-hmm. just nose to the grindstone. They're doing the same thing in their regular life. And then when their career ends, they're going on and they're doing big things with their lives outside of the sport Mm -hmm. and I think it's just so important like you think these players would pick up on that in college and maybe get out of their system but again everybody's different you know and and you know having you know been around high level athletes I think they really and truly everybody's just so different you don't know what's going to work for them or not but the ones that are household names that stick around forever that people remember forever aren't going and doing dumb stuff in the club in my opinion like you don't see lebron in the club never saw kobe in the club and, it's and i know that's basketball club. but like it's I'm not about the club the though, to me it's not about the club it's just everything 
I think it's okay to do golf and do healthy stuff that's like nourishing. And and I think you're taking this in a direction that I didn't intend it to go. Okay. This isn't about (laughs) the team like being distracted with things away from. It's more about getting them to unplug because it's about a work-life balance. Right. And I'm lucky enough to have Rob Thompson who makes me take time off (laughs) to make sure that my mind gets clear because I do notice a difference. Mm -hmm. So I do believe that this is a football focused team and they are 100% dialed in right now. And I believe that what he's talking about in that is finding ways to get them to unplug because they're not doing these other things that we would have seen earlier in their, in their careers. They're locked in, but at the same time, while they're locked in, take a step, back like you don't have to disconnect from the season but like just take a step back and unplug for for a second and maybe use something else in your life because whether it's radio or working at a target or football there's such a thing as work-life balance and I think that's what he's trying to say with this team is they're 100% dialed in probably 150% dialed in and he's probably trying to dial it back so that they are playing their best and peaking at the right time going into the postseason because you can get burned out on things. I was just going to say so that you don't burn out. And like, that's also kind of how you get a lot of injuries too, Mm because you're just so your mind is just in a different place and there's so much weighing on you because you haven't had the time to decompress and balance that it becomes a a do or die situation. And you know, what it really stood out to me that he said was how focus looks the same as discipline in certain Mm -hmm. pockets. And so it's sometimes, you know, hard to tell the difference. Are they focused or are they just disciplined? And like, it can be one and the same. And I just, I just think that was a very like Mm -hmm. light bulb thing. I haven't heard a coach say that, you know, I've always just thought like you can be disciplined day in and day out. And then you get to the game and you're still lacking focus. Um, But like, if you're putting in the discipline, you're more likely to be focused. And it's interesting how both of those descriptors look the same in a mm-hmm. game. And the I, I think, in my opinion, the more consistently focused you are, it's because of your discipline. Yeah. So, I don't know. I just thought that was a very cool, like, quotable moment for him off that. In fact, that's what I thought you were going to bring up. Yeah, no. <laughs> and and, it's, and it, that is also extremely interesting to me. But I just... When I heard him mention the fact that, you know, this team is 100% on football, I thought about it. I was like, no way. And then I started thinking about the team itself. And I was like, no, yeah, it is. Like, I 100% see that in this team. And it's probably the first time in a long time that I have felt that way about a Dallas Cowboys football team because there is so many other things going on. And right now, usually there's so much to talk about with the Dallas Cowboys and controversy and whatever Jerry said. What is the most talked about thing that this team has had to deal with right now? It's Odell Beckham Jr. Everybody keeps talking about Odell. Odell, Odell, Odell. It's been like three, four weeks they've been talking about Odell And usually there's a division or a split or, like, I'm not going to talk about that. They are, A, all openly talking about it from Jerry to Steven to Mike McCarthy to the players. The players are actively recruiting him, calling him, 
tweeting at him. Like, everybody seems to be, even the receivers, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, uh, bringing in Odell affects that room, how many targets they get, what their numbers may look like. Even they're on board. So it, I've never seen such a unison pull all in the same direction from a Dallas Cowboys football team on a topic. And especially one as divisive as bringing Odell Beckham into your locker room at the end of the season when you're already playing extremely well. Right, which also kind of tells you there's most likely a longer-term deal in this situation because what could he do bringing him in towards the end of the season, all the rhythm that's required. He hasn't been playing a lot. He's coming off his injury. Like, there's just so much at, at play here. So it must be a long-term decision if they're even entertaining it and, and they're making it sound like to the media that it's it's they're very, very interested. I feel like it's the most probable one of what we've seen so far that's been written and voiced so far. And it far. makes a lot of sense because while what does he add? He adds another weapon. That's what he adds. And while you worry about Schultz and everybody else and, and getting him into the system, if he gets into the system towards the very end of the regular season, starts to you know get his feet under him, when you get to the playoffs, can't, can't double CD, right. can't. It, it, you're playing a game of who are you who are you trying to stop right and if you're trying to stop one it opens the other and having an Odell Beckham to add to that mix just makes them that much tougher to stop yeah and i think these guys are ready to make it to a championship mm. they're ready to make it to a super bowl and get their ring i mean it's been so long and so i think that when you have players and everyone on the team trying to reach out to this guy who might even like disrupt your playing ability I think that shows you how bought in they are to just wanting to get that end goal and result and really start making a name for themselves again you know because you made a face and you're looking at this soccer game and I want to know what happened and I'm trying not to look at it so that I will talk American football instead of soccer dang oh no it's a 1-0 yeah well that happened a while ago but the Pulisic just tried to put one into the box that it got. I was not hoping for it to be so, so early. I was hoping for it to be a zero zero to the half. <laughs> nope, nope. Son we are we are here, and the U.S. Okay. have had their chances. But yeah. as I digress. Yeah, yep. Odell just makes this team more of a championship contender. And with him talking about how football focused they are, that just makes a lot of sense that everybody has bought in this year. They are pushing their way towards a title. The one thing that I think can disrupt them, and I don't even think it's penalties. I think it's the pre-snap penalties more than anything because you're going to deal with pen penalties yeah. in a season. Like right. a holding is such a subjective call, whatever it may be, like those things are going to happen. But when you have multiple penalties, especially multiple pre-snap that you control yourself, that takes the subjection out of it and becomes that is specifically on you. And I think that's one thing that they are trying to kind of clean up. You add an Odell Beckham, all of a sudden this team, whether they finish first in the division or not, I think if you add an Odell Beckham to this roster, this team is one of the favorites in the NFC, if not the favorite. She is Katie Goodman. I am James Pledger. We're going to take a break. We'll let you know what happened and how the Netherlands got a 1-0 lead with 14 minutes into the first half in the knockout stage of the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. But 
when we come back, college football has some changes going around, especially here in San Antonio. G.J. Kenny moving up I-35 and Coach Prime on the move? We'll discuss it next when we come back on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM and SASportsStar.com. This is Mike Greenberg on San Antonio and South Texas's strongest sports station. San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 1250. Welcome into the Saturday Morning Hangover right here on San Antonio Sports Star, 94.1 FM, SASportsStar.com. I'm James Pledger, Katie Goodman joining me. College football is crazy. It's not as crazy as Cutter, but it's crazy. It's crazy. And, man, what a deserved goal from the Netherlands. Oh, yeah. I mean, U.S. men just weren't tracking that third and fourth runner, which you can't do with that team. Sure. Apparently, the buildup started out of the Netherlands' own box. And oh, they yeah. just worked their way down the field in one swift move. I mean, that's. You don't see that often. Usually you get that kind of space in a box from a quick sure. transition. But instead, I don't know, maybe they're tired. Who knows? But I would if have to tired watch it a little 14 more in depth into to tell match. you why. If you're tired 14 minutes into a match, it's not going to end well today. Bad news bears, <laughs> for sure. Bad news bears. But you think with those bright orange jerseys, they'd see them coming from a mile away. You would think, but, you know, that's the uh, beauty of a highlighter. Right. That's true. <laughs> college football landscape is changing rapidly and one of those changes is uiw head coach gj kenny who is moving up i-35 and going to take the job at texas state when the season ends for uiw uiw is currently playing in the fcs playoffs in the second round they face Furman today at one o'clock out at tom and gail benson stadium at the bird's nest it's going to be good. They play so well at home. I mean, they play mm-hmm. they played well all season. They've had what, one loss. They've done so good. And and they're beating teams by they're getting into the 50s, 60s, 70 yes. point range. I'm not worried about them one bit. <laughs> I'm like I could not go to this game and I could tell you they'll be all right. But I'll be there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> of course you will. I look at uh UIW though and what effect this has on the locker room. As you mm. get ready for a game. Right. Because right. now, you know, as soon as your season ends, he's gone. Could be what, good or bad. Could go either way, and which yeah. is what is so intriguing about it because does the locker room push back or do they try and go out on top? I think it depends on who you are. And I think it depends on the principles that you set on your team and how many people really bought into it. Because in moments like these, you know, there are these big players, Lindsey Scott, who they have had all this time to shine and have made a name for themselves and now have the opportunity to go to a bigger program somewhere, possibly with Kinney or mm-hmm. somewhere else, right? So when you look at this and, and as, you know, the, the cards are beginning to fall into their places, chips into their places, whatever the saying is, like, I think that it's becoming clearer where each person lies mm-hmm. in the situation, right? So maybe the guy, there are guys who are going to stay at UIW and they need a chance to shine and to show their stuff. Does Kenny put them in and give them that opportunity? Is he going to keep going? Is he going for the, the gold here on this one? I feel like it would only help everybody 
to make it to for the a second straight year. Does a head coach and quarterback leave together? Last season, it was Eric Morris and Cam Ward going would, to Washington I State. Question it. Would Lindsey Scott Jr. go up I thirty five with Coach Kenny? I don't think Lindsey's going to stay. I don't know if he's going to go with Kenny, but I don't think he's going to stay. I think he has realized his potential. Like, he is all over even national headlines. I think that kid is going to go possibly to a different program. I think he only has one year of eligibility left. Um, so it, whatever he does next is going to be critical for him. And, of course, next steps, trying to look into an NFL situation or a draft or something. Mm-hmm. You know, like, whatever he does next, he's got to do it for him, in my opinion. Um, and I've been around, you know, I also sideline report for UIW. Yeah. I've, I've sideline reported for them all season. They don't use sideline reporters for playoff games, which drives me up the wall <laughs> crazy because that's where all the good stuff happens is right there. <laughs> and, you know, I look at the interaction that Kenny has with his players and it, you can tell they respect him. He's clearly like the dad of the team, but it's it's different. Like I've seen older coaches and you can tell that these younger players don't fully identify with them. Mm. But Kenny has a really, really special bond that he's created with these guys. It almost feels like he is part of their brotherhood in a way. You know, like it's this fraternal type vibe that he is the head of versus this grandpa shaking a finger at you and telling <laughs> you what to do. It's almost like they've bought into like what he is and they know what he's done and he has this kind of cool hip vibe that he brings to the squad and so I think I think it's good for these players to have had so many different coaches in a short period of time because that's only going to help them as they move on and it's only going to help them to understand what is best for them some people do well in that environment others don't so you never know they might they might move to a different program or they're looking for a coach like that or they might stay um, there's just so many variables yeah. that can happen with this. I would not be shocked to see Lindsay go with Kenny once the season's done. Right. It's going to be very interesting to see how this unfolds, how many people hit the portal, how many people transfer, how many people stay with the program, and most importantly, what coaches go with him to right. Texas State, which parts of his staff are going, and who uiw finds to replace coach king because they are two for two on recent head coaching hires when they hired eric morris away from texas tech at the time when he was just a receivers coach and they hired him to be the head coach at incarnate word university he turned that program into what it is and there is no doubt about the the foundation that he built and then G.J. Kinney comes in the door and just after losing Morris and Cam Ward, you were like, what's this program going to look like next year? Yeah. They are right back where they were. And you can argue playing at an even higher level than they were last year with some of the numbers that I've seen Lindsey Scott put up. Right, and I think that's what makes Kenny such a good coach is his ability to recruit or put people in situations to recruit for him to have that trust in his squad. So I wouldn't be surprised if a bunch of these guys move along with him or who knows, knows? maybe there might be a coordinator that wants to step into a head coach role who's been in a coordinator role. Mm -hmm. Like It opens up a lot of doors, and it's also hard for the other coaches um, who want to move with him to have that, um, you know, 
surety yeah. that they're actually going to get it. It's just it's a hard time, I think, for the people surrounding Kenny. And you just have to have that trust in him. You know, if oh, you've yeah. articulated you want to go with, like, you just have to have that trust in him that he's going to do his best to make it happen. And then my question know, becomes, though, UIW, what mm-hmm. do they do now? Because they've they've knocked it out of the park in two consecutive head coaching hires. Right. That is a hard average to maintain. Well, they must know what they're doing. You know, they they must know what they're doing. My thing is, how much of a heads up did they get for this one? You know, like, have they already been looking? Because it takes time to to work out those moving parts. But that's why I wonder if there's not enough time to do the full recruiting, if there won't be someone within the coaching staff to just assume the role. You know, that, that wouldn't surprise me one bit, especially if they know how things have operated how Kenny worked, how the previous coach worked, and you know maybe take that and just continue to replicate it. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Now, when it comes to Lindsey Scott, also to make a point here, he's had a lot of turnover. He's been at a different program mm-hmm. every year, and he's done by by far the best at UIW. So I think for someone like Lindsey Scott, he's not going to want to deal with another year of uncertainty. He's going to want to go where people are betting 100% on him and he's getting that time and and you know you know that Kenny will do it with one year of eligibility and right why wouldn't you that's the surest bet why wouldn't you go where you know right and so that's why I think he's gonna go with him it would make a lot of sense to me one other big coaching uh movement from this weekend it appears that Deion Sanders, that's right, Coach Prime, is accepting the Colorado Buffaloes job in the Pac-12, making the jump from the HBCUs at Jackson State, where he got them to an undefeated 12-0 and this year as they head into the SWAC championship today. And he will then go into the Pac-12 and take, a, take over a program that Whew, transfer portal makes things different because his son, Sh- uh, Shader Sanders, plays for him at Jackson State. So I could see that being an obvious transfer right. from that team. Remember, he brought the top recruit in all of the nation and Hunter, the cornerback who also plays offense a little bit. He brought him into Jackson State this past year. He was the top recruit in the nation, went to Jackson State. Right. <laughs> I'm just going to let that sink in for a little it's bit. It's Deion Sanders also, though. It's Deion Sanders, exactly. And that's the kind of pool he has, and I know that these programs know that. Which tells me that, that guy's know? probably hitting the portal mm-hmm. to follow Coach Prime. Right. To play big time. Right. Pac-12 football. And I think he can pull, like, whoever he wants just because of who he is and his past. And it's not often that players translate into coaches, you know. But, you know, he's he's clearly done that. And he's walked the walk and talked the talk. And <laughs> that's who you want to play for. Yeah, Shooter Sanders is an easy, an easy pick to be like, yeah, he's following his dad to Colorado. Oh. I I don't see any way that that's not happening. Yeah, that would not be smart for him. His dad will always have his best interest in mind, you know. And, and it is tough mm-hmm. anytime a dad is coaching 
their son. Like you're always going to think they're playing favorites. So they're doing he's this. He's been coaching that. him though. He's been coaching him since high school. They went to a private school in Dallas where he was the offensive coordinator of a team. I forget the name of the team that he was coaching at up there, but uh, it was in Taps, I believe, mm -hmm. uh, at a private school. So he he had his son playing quarterback there. He was his offensive coordinator, right. which coming from a quarterback, right, <laughs> cornerback, sorry, um, making the switch to offensive coordinator. Now he is the head coach at Jackson State, where he's built quite the impressive coaching staff. That's going to be impressive to see who follows Coach Prime to Colorado because I talked about Travis Hunter, the the top recruit that he landed there. Mm -hmm. His coaching staff is a who's who of basically Hall of Famers and all pros and former. I mean, he has so many guys on his staff. It's so important to have people of that caliber, too. Like, that's just so next level. Like, those are the kind of people who have figured out how to break the threshold, you know? Mm -hmm. And how to, like, get into that .0002% of success rate. Like, that's that's um, a competitive advantage in itself, a thousand percent. Yeah, I mean, he's just assembled Andrew Zimmer, who is the son of Mike Zimmer, uh, he's got him as one of the analysts on his staff, Gunnar White, Tim Brewster as a tight ends coach who was a tight end in the league. Like he has Andre Hart as a linebackers coach. I mean, he's got former players on his staff and that's not like a just a celeb squad. <laughs> it, it's, it's a great staff that he's yeah. put together there. So I'm very, very interested in following coach prime as he continues to, because I think he is one of the young up and coming coaches. And I do believe he has kids best interest at heart. Right. Right. I agree. You're you're locked into the Saturday morning hangover right here on San Antonio sports star, 94, one FM and com. When Katie and I get back, we'll keep you apprised as to what's happening in the world cup between the Netherlands and the U S and it is a huge slate of NFL games this weekend outside of just Cowboys Colts. We'll break it down for you because there are some juicy, juicy matchups hitting the airwaves this weekend. It's all coming up here on the Saturday morning hangover on San Antonio Sports Star 941 FM and com. The latest NBA, NFL, and MLB news, plus the latest podcast and more. Be in the know at SACSportsStar.com. Antonio Sportsar, 941 FM, SA I'm James Pledger. She is Katie Goodman. This is the Saturday morning hangover as the Netherlands still lead the US 1 0 currently out in Qatar at the World Cup. Told you I'd keep you apprised as to what's going on, and I I will keep my promise. Right. As if you're driving around, keep you off your phone from refreshing and looking. It's still one nothing with 36 minutes into the match. So we're about nine minutes away from halftime. Probably a little more with whatever stoppage time they yeah, have. Yeah, with but the like, freaking 20 minutes that they, you know, put on like to the three. end of every game now. It's, it'll be like might as well be two, a three half. Minutes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they have Ferreira in the mix, another MLS player yeah. who's from, you know, FC Dallas. Mm -hmm. Caused a lot of problems for Austin FC this season, but he has not been super productive. And, and then he set out this whole time. He's just getting, this is the first game he's getting yeah. in in the World Cup. 
and again, not being productive. And so in case you guys wanted to know my not happiness with that, now you know it (laughs) because he's there and um, apparently they just don't have a solid nine. Wea can't play it. Sergeant's injured. Mm -hmm. Without Sergeant, it's just they're really missing a huge piece on that one. So I don't think they're going to have any solid opportunities, if I'm being honest. It was an uphill struggle going into this game. We kind of figured it would be. In the NFL, it is not an uphill struggle. It is a knockdown, drag-out fight at the top. And there are some really, really interesting games and storylines this weekend as you get a rematch of the AFC title game from last year with Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes taking on one another. That is probably, in my opinion, the sexiest of the matchups this weekend because you've got two of the best quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. Hands down, down. stop, full stop, in sentence. Patrick Mahomes (laughs) is the best quarterback in the NFL, period. End of story. After that, Joe Burrow might be the next best because there are so many things to love about Joe Burrow. He is swaggy. He is confident. He backs it up. And he has this just aura about him. I feel like the NFL is so good at that. You know, and these players, they come in and they have their flashy uniqueness about them. There's, I mean, you see it in the NBA and people like buy in, but it's just, it's always so funny to me how it's these key players and all of these key positions. Like for NFL, it's always the quarterback. Mm-hmm. I feel like who has got the swag, he's got the personality, the style or lack thereof. He's a character <laughs> at a bare minimum, you know? I am 100% in on this game. This, to me, is the game of the weekend. It is a 325 kick. It is in Cincinnati. Remember, the Chiefs had a huge, I believe it was like 21-3 first half lead in that AFC title game at Arrowhead. And Joe Burrow brought them back in the second half. Jamar Chase could be making his return in this game, which is a massive weapon to the tune of 200 and something yards the last couple of times he's faced the Chiefs. He has just eviscerated them. So having Jamar Chase back in the fold, it's going to make this game must-watch TV because that feels, as many people want it to be Buffalo, Kansas City, this feels more like what could be the match in the AFC. Right. And if I'm being honest with myself. And I always love getting to watch those before it happens, you know, because mm-hmm. it just gives you a little bit of taste of, you know, the pulse just on that one little bucket there and then how they might match up in the future and, and what that means for other teams. But, you know, and then the fact that they went into overtime in January. Yeah. Right. I mean, how often does that happen? Like, just. Well, fantastic for everybody that complained and whined and cried the fact that Josh (laughs) Allen didn't get to touch the ball in overtime and that's why they lost to the Chiefs. A, stop them with 13 seconds left when you take the lead. Right. B, where were all these complaints when Cincinnati did it to Kansas City? There never seems to be these complaints because it happened uh, there. Cincinnati just... Stopped him, got the ball, went and scored. Boom. We did our job. The couple years before that, when Tom Brady was still with the Patriots, before uh, Mahomes won his first Super Bowl, he got into overtime against Tom Brady. Their team lost the flip, and 
they didn't get to touch the football in what was a high-scoring, awesome offensive game. Right. Only with Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills does this happen to where we have to make excuses. So spare me your excuses. Do your job. Win the game. You know the rules of the game. Right. Of course, as we always, I always say, literally with anything, it's start with doing the basics well, you know? And I think for football, it's always about field position and not putting yourself in a, in a place to get flipped on bad field possession, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's just, I think, you know, I I think I've read at least that for the Chiefs, it's going to be about limiting those explosive Mm -hmm. passes and in in the wrong parts of the field and making themselves sitting ducks, you know? So it's just. I will say the Chiefs' defense is playing much better this year than in previous years. And hopefully they have learned their lesson from past iterations and will not leave Jamar Chase on an island. Right. Look, I can only hope. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that game's going to be phenomenal. I am going to be locked into that game. That is my favorite game of the weekend. In a non-playoff type style game, Another interesting game has more to do with the storyline as Deshaun Watson comes back from his 11-game suspension for doing awful, creepy things. And who is his first opponent he gets to face off against? None other than his former team, the Houston Texans, who people forget this, and I like to remind them, Deshaun Watson forced to trade out of Houston and wanted to before the allegations of any wrongdoings even came out. He wanted out of Houston in January. The allegations hit in May. Or March, excuse me, March. But regardless, he had a two-month head start on wanting out of Houston, got paid $10 million not to play in Houston, and then finally got moved for a bunch of picks from the Cleveland Browns. To me, this game's a win-win. You either beat Deshaun, and be like, ha Gotcha. But they're playing awful, and you're probably going to lose to Deshaun, but you're still the number one <laughs> pick. So right <laughs> at that point, like, I can't really lose. I, I kind of want to win this game right. just because you've got a lead. So even if you win, you still have odds to get the number one pick overall because you are the worst team. And in football, there's no lottery. Worst record gets the number one pick. So they have a little lead in that fact. So I wouldn't mind beating Deshaun. I just want Deshaun to lose in any sense would also, since you own Cleveland's pick, make that pick better. <laughs> it's a lot of details here. It's a lot of details. All I know is that I want that guy to lose, and I want him to lose bad. And I want him to. The problem with people like him, though, is that they don't feel remorse Let's for see. any of their actions. And like, even though all of these, you know, victims are going to be there in this luxury press box, they are to kind of way get to go, into Tony his Busby, head. By the way, yeah, like good on him, and like, like good on them for letting him go despite the financial stuff and just not wanting that on their team. Like, I think that's a good step for the NFL, but. Well, for that team specifically, but the NFL in a nutshell, as we know, <laughs> eleven game suspension, please. Uh, what is that? A slap on the wrist? Not even. That's yeah. some ridiculousness. But what, remember, what is he is also seven hundred days removed from even playing in a game, so that is t- over two years. He hasn't played in a in a game since January of I believe it was twenty twenty. 
Man, he doesn't need to be playing at all. 2021. Guy uh, needs to be in jail. Guy needs to be in a jail cell. <laughs> He's dead to me. He's dead to me, Pledge. I get okay? it. Like, I get it. But I also think they in... could have gotten way more creative and on how they wanted to get in his head. I would have. They they should have pulled some soccer stuff well, and made I mean, giant banners. It would have been great. The fans to hold up. The problem like is, there's going to be like 30 people at the game because the team is awful. Yeah. Although I wouldn't be shocked if like teams migrate to this game, right? Or not teams, just but for fans. the drama. Yeah, just I would. For the drama. I would watch the pregame show. You know, maybe the first quarter. The tea and the, then like the tea makes it exciting. It. You know, checking in on it as I'm watching other stuff, but I would not sit through that game. A couple of other big games: Commanders take on the Giants in New York. The Cowboys right there, just above both of those teams. But the Commanders are red hot right now and can stay on the Cowboys' butt with a win over the Giants, which would put them in third, just behind the Cowboys, who are chasing the Eagles, who are in first with only one loss, while the Cowboys have three. But the first-place Tennessee Titans in the AFC South can help with that because they play the Philadelphia Eagles this weekend in another very interesting matchup with Derrick Henry and that running game. And can they squeak out a win, which would allow the Cowboys to close the gap to just one game behind the Philadelphia Eagles, and they face each other later this year on Christmas Eve in Dallas. I don't know how you commit all of that to memory, my friend. That is a (laughs) lot of moving parts. And that's football, though. You know, like, when you're knees deep in it, you can't help but know all the details, right? But I, get it. I love Titans in Philadelphia. I think they're, I've always just liked both of those teams, yeah. and like the branding and, and everything. And so I, I want to watch that game. Personally. That's going to be a very, very interesting game. It is at noon on Fox on Sunday. That's going to be very, very interesting. And for Cowboy fans, it's going to be the most interesting. We'll come back. We'll talk about the Cowboys one last time. Keep you apprised on what's happening in the World Cup as the U.S. men's national team still trailing 1-0 against the Netherlands. But the big question is, we've talked a lot about the Cowboys. We've talked a lot about Odell. It's a good move for them in the short term. But is it a good move for them in the long term? We'll discuss it next right here on the Saturday Morning Hangover on San Antonio Sports Star 94.1 FM and SASportsStar.com. What's up? Your new home for Dallas Cowboys football. San Antonio Sports Star, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 1250. We've reached the half and and cutter. And um, it's not going well. We're SOL, y'all. This is the end. (laughs) This is the beginning of the end, unless there's some sort of Hail Mary, unless someone gets a red from Netherlands. (laughs) We're... It is now 2-0, and Pulisic had a, had a shot on goal. He just couldn't finish it early, but there were multiple opportunities. This is the one I was I, talking about where I got. Yeah. I mean, that was great defending. Where I broke your concentration. But regardless, the USA is in a very precarious spot, and it looks like their time and cutter may be coming to a close. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I've actually been in touch with a couple of people in media over there, and they're all kind of ready because <laughs> the time difference is insane. Yeah. And then the culture is 
also uh, clearly a huge problem. Uh, like, I, I know we don't have 50 minutes for me to get into this, but it's not great. Just Google it. Watch the Netflix documentary yeah. and you'll understand why. I think anybody who knows anything about the World Cup knows that that's the big issue, right? Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of these progressive countries like the U.S. just want to get out and be done with it. So <laughs> I don't know that they'll be that mad that they're going home today. They but are of not. course, there's a whole 45 minutes to go, but for Pete's sake, it's not looking good. It's not, and the goaltender's playing like Jordan Farr out there. So Right, right. But you, <laughs> but you do have to say, I do have to say this, they're the youngest U.N.'s men's national team in yes. a long time, and they've done so well just to get out of the round they get into the round of 16 and i think even if they lose it's a it's a win also last night the uh conference usa back-to-back champs utsa smokes north texas now they sit and wait and we find out which bowl they get an invite to before they move up to conference and the aac the american athletic conference also here in San Antonio, the San Antonio Spurs played Zion Williams and the New Orleans Pelicans. Well, didn't go well. One seventeen ninety nine, so to speak. So I gave you a homework assignment, Katie. <laughs> Did you do Guys, it? Guys, look, I have watched Victor Wembanyama mm-hmm. play. You can just before. call him Wimby. Wimby, Wimby. And the last time I was on the show, I really stirred the pot between. Uh-huh. James and Jack. Uh-huh. Go back and listen to it if you're able to. <laughs> it was fantastic. So I was like, what's the big deal about this kid? And I know dang well what the big deal is. I just, I wanted to set some people off and stir some pots. And it I worked it. fantastic. But I gave you some homework. But, yes, I, I did. I watched. And, like, yes, he's next level. He's next <laughs> level. When you got LeBron, you know, giving saying the best He's player the in the best league. player Out. on the planet, yeah. not in the not league. Not in the league, yes. Those are LeBron's words about this kid. Right. And so, like, when you've got him saying stuff like that, like, it makes you want to buy into it. But here's the thing, too. At this point, I think we can agree that it's not even a possibility in the running to be better. Like, we're (laughs) not even trying to lose. We're just losing because there are so many injuries. And again, I really do think, like, there are pockets... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> quote unquote injuries, maybe. I don't know. You I'm not. David I'm not privy Robinson's to that injury information. Too? <laughs> I'm not privy to that. I'm not around it, so I cannot confirm or deny. But I do think that with their quote unquote injuries and everything, that it's not a bad idea. Like I think we all get it. We all get get it. And, and I, just I'm, listening to how like Giannis and LeBron talk about this kid, think about the players that are going to want to play with him he is already spoken of so highly by superstars yeah yes he's gonna want people gonna want to come to wherever he is just because of who he is and his track record like it's kind of like michael jordan why would you not have cap space right right (laughs) right so sky's the limit and what's even better is that even as this team is tank quote-unquote tanking there's still there are still pockets of really quality basketball. I mean, Keldon Johnson. I know he didn't have a great game this last one, but he has had some career breaking stuff. And so, like I said before, you take the positives. He's playing really well. Devin Vassell's playing really well. They scored a season high seventy seven points yeah. the other night in the first half against Oklahoma City. Now they followed it up with the season low thirty four points in the second half. 
But those are the little pockets you take out of a season like this when you've lost 10 straight and 15 of 16. Like, if that's what you have to default or back up to, that's the best thing that you want. Thanks for joining us here on the Saturday Morning Hangover. (laughs) Katie, always fun. Go catch the second half of USA. We got the Big 12 championship game coming up for you next right here on San Antonio Sports Star.